business is unique and operated individually of others in the same industry. What they have in common is the potential path to success. Welcome to The Second Stage with your hosts, Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. In today's program, we'll address the obstacles that many businesses find on that path to success and discuss what entrepreneurs and their businesses are doing to stay ahead of the curve. Now, here is Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. Welcome to the second stage, everybody. Jeff, I'm particularly excited to be uh, here today. Do you want to know why? Why is that? Well, you and I—it's been—I think it's been a month since we've done since we've actually done a show together. So that'll be exciting. So now I don't need to, you know, mentally stress out about what I'm going to say next because you know I really stress out about this stuff. And the second thing is, I got to talk to Bo Burlingham for an entire hour by myself last last week, which was, as you know, incredible. I got to say a couple words and in, in there, but it was, it was, it was the guys. It's amazing how often I've quoted that book since uh, since I read it um, and so forth. And then this week. I mean, you talk about passion for possibilities. I mean, Misty Young, Shyla Morris. I mean, the, the, you t- this is you. You can't have this. Is the definition of passion for possibilities? Well, I'm glad that I was included in on that little speech there because yeah. I was I wasn't sure you were missing me to be honest with you. No, it's it was big because you know I think this is uh, we need a you know it's it's good it's good stuff. And I'm not sure Bo missed me either last week, but uh, he's uh, he's got so much information it doesn't it didn't really matter. You know, as we mentioned uh, or uh, mentioned earlier um, on today's show, the second stage, we are thrilled to speak with co-owners of Squeeze In, uh, Misty Young and Shyla Morris. Uh, Misty and Shyla are a mother-daughter team uh, in all aspects of the world, and they have embraced the American dream and embodied the entrepreneurial spirit, uh, a true family affair. Not only have they created a successful business and inspiring culture for family, friends, and employees, but they're dedicating to help other business owners grow and prosper. Uh, I mentioned earlier, I, Jeff's back. I, somehow I didn't rig his uh, his computer correctly to uh, to totally uh, take him out. But Jeff, I was just talking about. I was kind of giving the intro to uh, to uh, to Misty and Shiloh, but Shiloh, but uh, it's just it's a it's an incredible story. I mean, it's an incredible story that there are people out there that do this stuff. I was participating in this show of or this panel called the Piranha Pool, and Shiloh Morris and Misty Young were one of three contestants on this this panel, and they. They were they kind of blew the doors off the entire competition. They were a clear favorite, and they were definitely somebody that I wanted to get to know better. That I thought Evolution wanted to work with, and we'll get into those reasons why during our show today. But uh, I shared uh, their story and information with Brendan, and of course, you know the the relationship blossomed from there because you know they have a, they share a lot of the same uh, philosophy about business, uh, about life, and and uh, participating in the entrepreneurial struggle and and helping others, and they were just uh, they've been wonderful to to uh, work with. So we're thrilled to have them on the show, and um, uh, uh, and you know we will we will get through their story, which is an exciting one. It's really neat, Jeff. Is you know, it's like we were kind of getting into for the technical difficulties. Now I'm going to talk faster because I feel like we're out of time. Uh, is it uh, Misty wrote a book called Rags to Restaurants, and it really it outlines you know you know her start. And I can't you know I can't wait to hear her tell it. But yeah, she tell you know, obviously does a great job in the book talking about how she started from a pretty poor up- upbringing, and then she started reading the books and she started embracing uh, the best practices. And it's just it's truly a testament for how. 
you know the information's out there, and all you got to do is jump in with both feet uh, and, and and run at it. And it really is an unbelievable, uh, unbelievable story. Just fantastic, right. wonderful. What happened? What happened in your week this week, Jeff? Anything exciting? Well, I told you I was writing a, a uh, article for a local uh, business newspaper, and the topic hit me last week when I felt like I was getting sick, and. Um, I think one of the things that's very underappreciated in small business ownership is your own personal health because we know that if you work for a large corporation, you can mail it in for a couple days and even for a week without anybody really noticing. (laughs) But when you work in a small company – uh, and you're the one of the the lead uh, entrepreneurs. You have got to bring it every day, and my schedule and your schedule don't allow you to take time off. You've got to show up and to make something happen. So, my article uh, is really going to be about kind of what I call sound mind, sound body, and get out there and release stress, eat the right foods, you know, so on and so forth. So that's really what's been on my mind uh, recently, trying to avoid catastrophe. Jeff, is that a energy drink in front of you or is that a beer? I'm having trouble seeing <laughs> through the glass. But anyways, <laughs> this, is, this is a beer, but this okay. is, you know, it's, it's one of the part important of your, stress relievers. Part of your relaxation process. I that like was that. the one that I was going to mention. <laughs> okay. Well, you just never know. You never know. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's, when uh, and what made you think? Because you, you, this has been a topic normally that you've been writing about pretty regularly. That you like, that you know, it's it's as you know, it's a high stress life. Even when things are going really, really well, and you're trying to make things move faster, uh, and you uh, overbook your schedule, uh, whether it's with family or with work or other activities outside of work and that constant struggle work-life balance. Uh, I have written about it before and I just think it's an important topic because I don't know that anybody else is writing about it <laughs> except for me. <laughs> so I just thought I'd mention it and uh, hopefully somebody's out there paying attention. Uh, I uh, always have the pleasure of doing the, uh, the announcements in the first segment here. And I just want to remind everybody that each week we want to provide actionable advice, which you'll get here from Misty and Shyla today. And uh, want you to continue the dialogue through comments and questions on our blog at evolutioncp.com. You can also follow our show on our own Twitter handle at hashtag the second stage, which is, which is uh, hashtag T-H-E-2-N-D stage. Um, and then uh, you can certainly email us at the second stage at evolutioncp.com. I always want to thank our sponsor, McLadry LLP. They are a leading provider of assurance tax consulting services focused on small and mid-sized businesses nationwide with more than 6,700 people in 75 U.S. cities. Um, so we got a lot to, lot to uh, talk about today, Brendan, and I think we want to get our guests on here as soon as we can. Uh, so that we can start the learning process. We can talk for a long time with these two. It's going to be very exciting. That's right. So with that, we're going to take our first break here on the second stage and be back with our guests, Shyla Morris and Misty Young. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. 
This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of. A team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance Tax Consulting. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the show, The Second Stage. I am here with my partner, Brendan Anderson, and our guest, Shyla Morris, the president and co-owner of Squeeze In Restaurants. We're uh, thrilled to have you on the show, Shyla. You've turned into uh, uh, a good friend in a short amount of time because we share so many uh, uh, interests and passions, and uh, it's been really fun getting to know you guys. Oh, well, thank you. We feel likewise. It's always so wonderful to meet other folks who are uh, on the same page and kind of following the same march of a drum and, and having that entrepreneurial streak. So I'm glad we all found each other. And thank you for the nice comments. Well, I said in the first section how on the Piranha Pool where you and I first met uh, that you kind of blew the rest of the competition <laughs> away, that you guys are incredibly well organized. And it was just it was obvious to me right away that we needed to spend time with you and we could learn a lot. And we have. Uh, so wow. uh, thrilled to have you on the show. And uh, we're anxious to learn. Sure. Just- I'm anxious to share. Shelly, what I think is so wonderful, and we, Jeff and I mentioned it in the first part of the first uh, segment, was just how you know how how alive the we always use the term passion for possibilities. That if you, if you want to get something you know, and you set your goals and so forth, and maybe talk about your family's uh, the background and, and and how and how you were able to pull this off, because it really is a a fantastic story that 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 you know that anybody that doubts their ability to get somewhere should should know and understand. Absolutely. And I always try and, and tell people just to keep perspective. You know, sometimes you look at people who are successful or, or doing what you want to do or in business, and it's hard not to sometimes feel downtrodden or like maybe you've missed the boat, like, oh, they're already on top and they're doing it. Um, but the truth of the matter is that we weren't always on top and we weren't always successful. And in fact, 
when I was born, uh, my parents were on food stamps and welfare, and we would shop at thrift stores, and I remember standing in line for government cheese, and as we grew up, uh, my parents decided that that wasn't the life for them and really pulled themselves up by their bootstraps, put, put my mom through university, um, worked her way up the corporate ladder, and then flash forward to I'm in high school, and um, my dad, being a landscaper, used to do jobs for this little restaurant owner, a restaurant called The Squeeze In, and he would always tip my father with free breakfast for our family. So Saturday, they'd pack up me and my sister and I up, and we'd head up the mountains of Truckee, California, and have breakfast at this adorable little restaurant. And my parents would just be buzzing the whole way back. Gosh, what that restaurant, if we could do anything, 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 we would own the squeeze-in. Not some eatery, not some diner, a restaurant, the squeeze-in. They called it out by name. And it was really had a special place in their hearts. And... Uh, so happenstance, the universe brought all the stars together so that when they met this owner at a party, he happened to casually mention, I think I'm, uh, I'm thinking of selling the squeeze in. And I think my parents just about had a heart attack. They didn't sleep at all that night. They called him at 6am the next morning and said, we got to find a way. So, um, being rational people, they quit their careers. They called in every favor they could cash out their retirements and, and bought the little 45 feet breakfast, lunch restaurant called the squeeze in. And, um, What's funny about that is that they had no idea what they were doing. I mean, they, they came from marketing and landscaping to be restaurant folk and started busing tables and learning the business from the ground up. And what became apparent was the lack of systems and the need for structure and better systems. And so just learning uh, and plugging away that way, we kind of uh, found our way. And now here we are 11 years later, we've got five locations and are offering franchises now. So it has been um, quite the American dream story for us, which has been phenomenal, but I don't ever want people to feel discouraged like, oh, I can't do it because, you know, look at them. They already have so much, but we were the same place. We were in the same way and you just plug away at it. And if you grind and you do the right stuff, uh, you can do it too. So it's pretty, pretty exciting. Shiloh, what we, what we preach a lot, and I, I notice a lot in the entrepreneurial community, is people you know people will will complain about their spot, but they won't do anything about it. And I think what's amazing about your family and, and you is is that you guys, yes, you, you you bought the squeeze in, you were you, know, you were working all those hours, but 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 for something told told you to look for the best practices to find out what a process was and and maybe talk about how that happened and in the length of time because i think some people think that there's like some switch that goes off and it happens in a day uh maybe talk about like this what was the light that decided my god we got to learn how this and then the time frame to do that yeah and boy if anyone ever finds that switch because they let me know because that would be great (laughs) (laughs) jeff and i are looking for it every day too we uh we're still we're still with that but we're looking but we're looking yeah so so far, it's called hard work. Um, I, you know, I think what happens a lot of the time is that people think, I love to cook or, uh, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever their passion for the actual career-wise thing is. I, you know, I love to cook or, or I have this vision of owning a restaurant. And what they don't realize is that business is business, whether it's a flower shop or a restaurant or a tire shop um, or, uh, you know, and a capital investment group. And there's certain best practices for businesses that you have to learn. So after... I'd say two years of just learning the floor work, you know, what busting a table looks like, how to make a Bloody Mary, how to fix the dishwasher, and those kinds of things. Our eyes kind of came up off the floor, and we said, what What can we do to get ourselves out of the business and work on it rather than in it? And I, and I see that that's one of your guys' big taglines for the radio show, which I love, 
um, that Michael Gerber just notion of work on it, not in it. So once we kind of learned the ropes, you know, and our eyes came up and we could take the blinders off a little bit, we said, how are other people running businesses? How would you run two, three, four, five locations? There's got to be something you can do to ensure that you don't have to be there every single day. And so then um, just being resourceful people, we started looking for what have other people done. You know, that's something Tony Robbins says all the time is somebody else is doing what you want. You look at what they're doing and model their behavior. So we started just trying to get as many resources as we could and see what the success stories were, what the parallels were, and how we could mirror that to be successful as well. And what we stumbled upon, of course, was you've got to have systems for everything, uh, everything from culture to accounting. So that's been now our big uh, endeavor in life is creating systems and maintaining the systems within our business. So I, I realize. I'm sorry, Jeff. Um, I said, you know, obviously, we're never done learning, and if you are, then you might as well give it up. But give me an idea that, that you know, from the time that you, uh, like, you know, because I think most people think this happens quickly. When you guys uh, bought the squeeze into today, and you know, obviously, you know, and so forth, and maybe talk about the progress because I think I think it's just it's you know, it, it, when people are on that daily treadmill, it, you know, it's at the time that they spend, you know, pays mm-hmm. off. Not necessarily tomorrow, but I mean, kind of give me an idea, of scope and time. Yeah, so we bought that original location 11 and a half years ago, so at the end of 2003. And um, then we opened our second location in 2008, so there were five years in between there where I was just sort of learning and refining and kind of getting our hands around what being a restaurant family would, would look like and how we could be successful at it. Um, and so I'd say two years, that, well, first when we bought it, we, we did some immediate systems right away. This restaurant uh, in 2003 wasn't even taking credit cards, didn't even have a landline. I mean, it's been there for 42 years. It's in a 120-year-old building. It's kind of one of those historic hole-in-the-walls that people were okay with just paying cash. But in this day and age, you should really pay credit cards. So, you know, we did some things right away. Um, And then I'd say it took us about two years, maybe three, to kind of to get our, our hands around it and say, okay, now what do we need to do? Oh, um, we should have a schedule posted. And, you know, what, what, what is the recipe for that sauce? And the soup gets made different every time. And so starting to get down exactly what all the processes were in the one location. Time and time again, I hear people say, we're thinking of opening a second location. And my advice is always get your first one so fine-tuned before you expand. I mean, you want to have that thing running at 100% before you expand into a second, third, and fourth. Because as much as you can be the person watching over everything in one location, it's much, much harder with two. And from there, it's nigh impossible the bigger you get. And that's where the systems come into play. So two to three years to kind of realize the importance of systems. Another two to three years before we opened the second location. And then uh, it was two more years before we opened the third. And then two more years for the fourth. And then the fifth just opened about six weeks ago. And it's rocking. Woohoo! Um, and it's four hours outside of our market, which is really cool. So, well, just, just, just got a question, but I really look forward to find out that, that no, expansion no, no. story is awesome. But Sharla, it's it's interesting because you know we have a process uh, as well, and we feel like you, you know we're constantly and continuously updating, changing, editing. Are you guys doing the same thing, or do you are you guys think you're done? Oh gosh, well never done. Um, it, it sometimes I feel like the spinning plate circus man, you know, like you just get one system spinning well enough so that you can focus on a few of the other spinning plates and then just get back to that one before it falls. Um, So gosh, never done, always refining. You know, I think the systems we use now are really good, but of course there's room for improvement. And then there's the ones where I'm like, 
I want to overhaul it. Let's start from the bottom up. And, and, and I think that's also important. Now, you always have to be evolving haha, um, to, get, to get your system to a place where they're always going to be the best. And that's, that doesn't mean that they're stagnant. They'll always be changing and growing. So for sure, I know with us, we're kind of right back to um, looking at our staff training system. You know, we got it really solid, and then we spun some of the other plates for a while, and now I'm coming back to go, okay, we've got some issues in this system. Let's work on it. So I think, you know, people always hear you say systems are the magic, and they think, well, I'll just get a system and then leave it alone. I mean, then you have to maintain it and and work on it and refine it. So absolutely, I think that's a great point. Thank you for bringing that up. But do you guys review it on a quarterly basis, on a monthly basis? Is there like an established, you, you know, time where you guys, or is it just a constant flow of, of updating? I think we're more in a constant flow. And I think like a lot of people, wherever the fire is, is where the hose goes. Um, so as soon as issues pop up, we realize, you know, it's probably a failure on the systems part and how can we make it better? And um, so mostly on a flow basis. I mean, you know, like with our accounting, we get our monthly financials and we do quarterly reviews and look at at those kinds of things because they're a little more easily fitting into a system. Uh, Same with associate reviews. That happens twice a year, manager reviews once a year, that kind of thing. Um, But in terms of like the big picture systems, that's just uh, as needed basis, but it's pretty much continuous. Shayla, I love the fact that, 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 that you know, we talk to you and, and, and read the, the books, uh, Rags to Restaurants. You, you talk about financial system, you know, the financials, financials, and the data and the data. Tell, tell the audience how, how you've decided where to open your restaurants and the data that you've been able to, 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 to gather from your, from your clients, your, your customers. Absolutely. So um, we have an in-house loyalty club, and I'm sure we're going to get to that a little bit later, call our Egghead Breakfast Club. Um, but from that, so folks often and basically get points for every dollar they spend, stuff on their birthday, champagne on their anniversary, our monthly newsletter. So they opt into this database for us, and we currently have almost 70,000 households in this database. But uh, rewind to when we uh, decided to open a second location. We had our breakfast club going, and um, we really thought that we were going to be going more into California. Truckee's right on the border of Nevada and California, and so we thought we'd be headed towards Sacramento. That's where most of our business was coming from. But we decided to run the numbers in the database and see and map out all the addresses of the, I think, then thousand names and see where our folks were coming from. And lo and behold, 65% of our business was coming from Reno, so which is only 30 minutes from Truckee, but everyone just imagines that Truckee is like North, Northern California, and it is, but it's very, very close to Reno. So then we realized, oh, wow, okay, and not only were they coming from Reno, but they were really clustered in one particular neighborhood in Reno. And so it was easy for us to decide where that second location was going to be right in the middle of where all those addresses were, because if that's, you know, if those folks are coming to see us, chances are their neighbors are very similar and will also be patrons of ours. And so then when we went to open our third location, we said, well, we already have a location where our biggest cluster is. Let's map it again. And so now two years have gone by, so the database was much more rich with uh, names and, and information. And we were able to see that we had a uh, significant second cluster in the south side of Reno. And so we opened um, the third location there. And because of the density of population there, we actually made that location a little bit bigger. And gosh, it took some time for the economy to recover. But we're so glad we did now. That location is just rocking its socks right now. And so that's super awesome. And so then for location four, we did the same. 
uh, for our local area. And then this fifth location bubbled up very organically, but one of the nails in the coffin for us, there were two nails. Um, the first one was that we had family members that would move there and run it. And then the second one was that when we went to our database and said, okay, let's just see, let's see if we've got any names uh, around that within a 50-mile radius of this proposed location. And we already had 3,000 names in a 50-mile radius. There's just such a connection between San Francisco and the Bay Area and Lake Tahoe that we already had that much saturation and brand recognition four hours away from our mothership, our home store. And so for us, that was like, yeah, if we've already got 3,000 names in our database without even trying, then it, we knew it made it would make sense, and it has so far. So that's been great. So that's Maybe if you don't mind, our, it's been a little time. It's been a little time. I'm sorry, on that location because you know, obviously Jeff and I have been following that. We've known you since since you opened that unbelievable Mm -hmm. story about how that got off the ground. You know, just so quickly. Yeah, it really is. February 9th of last year, I got an email out of the blue from one of our eggheads who said, "Hey, um, we're in your breakfast club. We frequent the Truckee location a lot, but we live in the Bay Area, and there's actually a shopping center near our house that we think." It has a spot, and we think it would be perfect for a squeeze-in, and we're willing to invest uh, a little bit of capital. So, um, you know, we, we get approaches like that, not all the time, but often enough where, you know, most of the time it doesn't come together. So we really approached it softly. In fact, I remember I went to meet with them a few weeks later and basically gave, gave them every reason not to get in bed with us. Oh, you know, this and that, and we, you don't want anything to do with us. And, and they were like, no, we do. We're on board, and this is a great location. Um, you know, and, and we believe in the brand and, and this and that, X, Y, and Z. And so um, so they came on board as investors, and then we knew another couple in our database. In fact, they're our number one guest in our database. We know that because we track their sales. So this family of five who spent over $15,000 with us, um, I knew that they had gone to school in the Bay Area, and so I reached out and kind of softly just asked them, too, hey, if you're ever interested, we're looking at this location. And they came back and said, in fact, we are uh, interested and we're willing to invest. And so it was just it's such an amazing thing to have these two investors step forward out of our database, which has just been so such an asset for our, our business and our company, um, to come forward and fund this location. And then, like I said, when my cousin and his wife said, who have been in the business for 10 years with us, we'll move there and we'll run it, it was like, well, hello. It was just it all came together. It was absolutely fantastic. So that, that's been a really amazing journey and story for us. And here we are. It opened March 14th. So it took a year from first contact to opening the doors, but that's not a bad turnaround. And it's, so far, it's rocking. So we're stoked. That's 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 wonderful. I I do remember another story uh, from your database when you when you were opening one of your other locations, and I, it may have been the second or third one, when mm-hmm. you you actually uh, were able to use the database to bring in some money to help kind of open the open the uh, the new restaurant. Maybe talk about that a little bit because that's that's true creativity from entrepreneurs. I mean, I I, I it's uh, I tell I tell that story a lot. It's pretty neat. Oh, I'm so glad you do. I love it because it's like. Um like crowdfunding, but you do it within your very own herd. You know, I think in the old days or even now, I think I heard you, one of you guys say you sort of pass the hat to your family and everybody pitches in. Well, with crowdfunding and the new platforms, now you can do that except nationwide. But what we have is this database, of course, where people have bought in and they're, they're part of our brand and our culture. And so as we're going down the path of opening this third location, we basically run out of money. And so we go to our list and say to our database, um, 
we're, we're opening this location. We're, we're really close, but we're not quite there. So we're going to offer you to buy a $1,000 gift card, or I'm sorry, a $1,200 gift card for $1,000 or a $600 gift card for $500 um, with some other perks, you know, a T-shirt and a party and some stuff like that. And uh, so we can raise the rest of the capital. And we were hoping to raise $10,000, and that first one we did $36,000. I mean, people went nuts for these gift cards, which is great and so cool that they believed in us enough to see, um, you know, they were eat- they were spending money with us and eating there already, so it's a good deal for them, and we got the capital up front without having to borrow from anybody. So we called that our um, kitchen cabinet. That was our kitchen cabinet sale. So then when Shella, we to Shella, how, did that, them, how did that happen? How, how did you sit around and, and somebody says maybe, I mean, how does, you know, 1200 bucks, $1,000 for, I mean, how, how does that happen? <laughs> you know, I wish I could say that we, we created that idea, but we didn't. We're lucky enough to be in a national uh, independent restaurant mastermind group that meets a few times a year. And so we had remembered that. Uh, one of the folks in that restaurant group owns a restaurant down in San Diego, and he does a VIP club every year where he basically does the same thing. You get, you got to spend a thousand bucks, but you get twelve, fifteen gift cards and, and all this other stuff. And he had had great success with it. And we had always said, "Gee, that's a great idea," but you know, we didn't have the balls to do it. We felt like that's just, you know, it's audacious to ask someone to buy a thousand dollar gift card from a, a breakfast lunch restaurant, you know, where the average ticket is thirteen dollars a person. Um, but we ran out of money and we basically kind of said, we got to try something, you know, we've already borrowed from family and all those things. So we said, let's do it. Let's try it. Let's give it a whirl. And we did. And the response was overwhelming. So then when we went to do the second location or our fourth location, uh, we did it again and we called it the founders club. And that time we, uh, raised 42,000 in upfront capital, which was just phenomenal. So then our local newspaper heard about that and said, could we interview you about this crowdfunding that you're doing? And so they did and ran a story, and I got all these um, inquiries saying, when are you guys going to do it again? And I was like, we'll do it right now. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so we did it again, um, and now that was three years ago. That's be- it's become an annual thing. We just wrapped our fifth one. It's called Inner Circle now, and I think our final number was 34000 in capital. So, And this year and last year, we added a second level of platinum, level where you could get a $2,000 gift card for seventeen fifty, and we had 12 takers on that this time. So just phenomenal and such a creative idea that I'm so happy that we stumbled upon and have been able to use successfully in our business and I would encourage other folks to do some kind of VIP upfront thing as well because, boy, that sure is helpful, especially around tax season. Shell, is there any chance you want to help uh, us fundraise by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> Why, sure, I'd love to. <laughs> what, what, all right, so you've opened five restaurants now. What would you do differently uh, if you, you know, in the next one or, or uh, if you have anything? Um, what, what would I do differently? I think that I'd, I'd really like to have a better system for exactly how the training beforehand and afterhand breaks out. And also, after we opened our fourth one, at, when we were done opening it, we sat down and said, let's do a brain dump. What's all the stuff that we learned this time? And we actually sat down and wrote it down. Because, you know, when you're going through the process, you think, oh, yeah, next time I'll remember, we got to order the forks, you know, two weeks before or whatever. But then everything's going down and it's crazy and it's hard to remember that thing that you told yourself you are going to remember five years ago to remember it again. So doing that post-opening brain dump it was super, super helpful for us this time and going, oh, yeah, we needed tea baskets. Oh, yeah, the microwave needed to come early. Just, you know, little silly things like that. But if you don't write it down in the moment, it just 
poof goes away. And there's so many things that go into opening a new location of anything that you really need it written down. So I would love to see starting when we opened restaurant number two, I wish we would have sat down and said, what would we do differently? If we could do it perfectly, how would we do it? Um, and really try and get, get those wrap-up thoughts so that we could refine it each time rather than kind of flying by the seat of our pants for the first three and then going, oh, yeah, maybe we should make a process for this like we do everything else. And this time, you know, we still learned some things uh, opening this new restaurant. For me particularly, I know I wasn't thrilled with the way the training came out for the back of the house. And that's something on the West Coast a lot of restaurant owners struggle with because there is a language barrier. Most of your back-of-the-house folks, speak pretty much exclusively Spanish. So if you don't have someone on your ownership team or in your leadership team that speaks Spanish as well, you're going to have that big gap. And for a business like us, it's so culture rich that we're really, uh, we, we focus and emphasize personal development and leadership and growth. That language barriers certainly provide um, a lot. You know, it's, it's an uphill battle sometimes. So uh, Cheryl, you know, one of the, you just mentioned that you're culture rich, and I would agree that it was really fascinating to me when I first met you that you all are still relatively young, even though you've been around. You're not. <laughs> you're one of those long-term overnight successes. Uh, but you know, you have spent a lot of time on your culture. You've written books. Um, so is it, it's kind of a a little bit of a chicken and the egg thing, is it? Or did you, did you start with one and then the other just developed or can you just walk us through how that all unfolded? Yeah. And one of the things that attracted our family to the squeeze in, in the very beginning was the, what, the only thing we can describe it as it had this love vibe. So the squeeze in came with this uh, culture, I think, of love and very hippie and laid back. And that was something that initially drew us to it. Now, getting our associates um, to feel that and getting that culture to actually be something that we knew everyone could feel and see has been, I wouldn't say a struggle, but it's certainly been a labor and a labor of love at that. But I do believe for as much as we focus on systems that um, culture is so, so important and culture can trump systems and processes if you have a super, super strong culture, your folks are going to know what the right thing is to do, and they're going to want to do the right thing even when you're not there. And, and to me, that's where um, investment is really necessary, is making sure that that culture is there. And so I think it's more than throwing an annual party, um, and I think it's more than just saying thank you occasionally. So we really work on making our culture be something that people want to be a part of, that they can see, that they can feel, that they can trust. So we do things like make parody music videos uh, once a year. This last year was a Christmas video, and it was to die. It was so fun. Um, so not only is that a fun marketing piece for us, but it's something that the associates get to participate in and have fun and be proud of, which is really cool. Uh, we try to recognize our folks on their anniversaries, you know, once you've been with us for a year. It's amazing just, you know, somebody, it's an 18-year-old host. They're not going to be with you forever. But when you say, wow, Katie, you've been with us for a year, Here's a little lucky bamboo plant and a card. I mean, that just means the world to them. It's so cool. On Thanksgiving, uh, that's one of the two days a year we're closed, but we open one of the locations in the morning, and the ownership team cooks breakfast and invites all of the associates and their families to come in and have breakfast with us, which is kind of cool for them to get to see us, you know, behind the buffet line and in the kitchen and serving them, and they love that. And this year at the Thanksgiving party, I wrote thank you cards 
to all of our staff's family. So, you know, dear Katie's mom, Katie's such a wonderful young lady. We really appreciate that you shared her with us. Thank you so much. And people loved that. That was really, I'm going to do that again for sure, because that was just a neat touch. You know, it's one thing to say thank you to a person, but to to say to their significant other, thanks for sharing your wife with us, has a really cool impact. And as I'm sure everyone knows, the more a family supports the person working at a business, the more successful and long-term and happy they'll be. So, yeah, culture is really important to us, and I think that plays out in a lot of ways from little interactions on a day-to-day basis to to big parties and recognition type things. So I want to take a moment here to clue everybody in into your uh, Twitter uh, handle here, at SqueezeIn. Uh, you guys are uh, active tweeters, and it seems like mm-hmm. you do it every day or every other day, which really kind of yeah. builds the culture that you're talking about, I have to say. Exactly. I'm getting hungry mm-hmm. just watching the, uh, the the Twitter feed. And also, uh, at Shyla Morris is another one that uh, people ought to click into and uh, see what uh, Shyla has to say, because we've learned a lot in just a, a short amount of time. But it's, uh, it's great how you guys have used Use social media. You've used, you know, books that that your your mother has has written, um, you know, to kind of get your story out and and tell, uh, uh, get that culture going. Which which is, I think, is is why people follow uh, Squeeze In. It's not just great omelets. It's uh, just mm-hmm. the culture and being a part of what you guys have built. Absolutely. Hey, uh, let's 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 go. the next step of squeeze in is uh, you you guys are looking at a uh, a franchise model and so forth. Maybe tell me about you know what you've learned in developing that model and kind of what you see is uh, is the next step. Absolutely, you know I think we had to sit down and really look at what what is the future of the squeeze in. You know, what does five years look like? What does ten years look like? And we had always said five five restaurants, and so as we approached being at five. It was kind of like, well, now what? You know, what's next? And we really realized that in order for a squeeze-in to be successful, you need leadership that's passionate and strong and um, not working on or in the business every day, but definitely present and available. And if we were going to grow to 100 locations, all company or family-owned, that just wouldn't be possible. There would be so much loss um, in 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 the time and the travel and the distance and the different cities that we knew we couldn't expand that way and do the brand justice. And that's when we really came to know franchising and started looking into what does that look like? What does that mean? And what got us so excited about franchising was that there are inevitably families out there like ours who can do this in their community, who can have a squeeze in, who have that passion and love, um, who want to have freedom of time and, and finances and resources, but can also be committed to running a really cool business that has a positive impact in their community. And being breakfast and lunch, you know, we're only 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. That's only 49 hours of operation each week. So it's not this daunting task. It's not a bar. It's, you're not up till 2 a.m. You need to be home. You can pick up the kids after school and have dinner with everybody. And, um, so that's what we love about our business model and why we gravitated towards franchising was that we could see other communities growing the squeeze-in the same way that we have in our community and having a local family there or a couple or, or a partnership or friends or whatever who really take the ownership and the responsibility and make it their own. I mean, that's one of the awesome things about our restaurant is that you can sign the wall and there's bikes hanging and 
surfboards and pictures and all kinds of stuff. So people could really bring in their personality and make it their own while using this um, prone, prone, this known proven model that uh, works, you know, and we've gone through all the hard stuff of learning the systems and, and, and figuring out what works and what doesn't and, and being on top of refining things so that we could tell someone, look, it's plug and play, basically. You get to have fun and have your own spirit and do it, but you don't have to learn all the hard lessons. You don't have to worry about making, you know, making your bills and, and this and that. Just follow the, the formula and you guys will be successful and then you can do with that what you want and grow as you will. So that's what makes us so excited about franchising. We're really shooting for um, 50 franchise locations in the next five years. So as wow. the summer gets going, we're getting ready to ramp up our, our sales for franchising and, and just go fall to the wall. It's going to be exciting. What, all right. So uh, obviously you're, you're a family business. You work with lots of family. Let's, let's talk about that dynamic. I mean, obviously uh, that's a, that's a big, big subject in business. And, uh, and it's, and, and obviously you did a wonderful uh, Ted talk on, on, I would argue on the subject and uh, just let's talk about that working with family. Yeah. Working with family. It's, it's a lot. So our partnership is my husband and I, and then my mom and dad. So that's the four partners. But uh, we also have my cousin and his wife are managing partners of that new location. We've got my aunt and another cousin who work in locations here. And then we've got a lot of uh, inner families within. So a mother and her son and daughter all work for us. And cousins, you know, who are both cooks and brother and sister who are both servers. So we've got lots of family dynamics. And I think uh, what compelled me to give the TED Talk that I did was that there's so much negativity around family business and nepotism and what that means and just saying that word gives you that bleh connotation, but it can be a really good thing. Yes, you've got to have boundaries. Yes, there are awkward family dinners. Um, yes, I've had to reprimand my sister and write up my cousin. You know, there, there are those bad sides of things, but at the end of the day, I really, really enjoy working with my husband and that I get to spend so much time with my parents and we're all really involved in each other's lives and I can't think of people I would rather be involved in their lives with. No, not all families are built that way. And I certainly I say to my TED Talk that some families should never, ever, under any circumstances, work together. But I think for a lot of families, and I'm sure everyone can relate, whoever you work with becomes your family. And so if you're not careful, that can be a toxic environment. It can be poisonous. Um, and maybe it is with your family. But if it's not, I would love for folks to consider maybe working with their family and spending a little bit more time doing what the human race has done for so, so long, which is work in family businesses and, and everybody contributing to one economic engine fueling their collective lives together. I, I feel bad that there's so many career parents out there who have to do it all, work the 40 hours and come home and watch the kids, you know, and, oh, by the way, you're supposed to be investing in your marriage and don't forget to work out and, and oh, yeah, social life. And I just feel that with a family business, the support network is built right into your business um, so, you know, we can all bounce around from subjects to, to budgets to uh, dirty diapers and then back to P&Ls and then, oh, yeah, this in the business and then, oh, yeah, one of the kids did that. And it's just, it's so great for us. I love having that support system and it's really strengthened all of our bonds. So I think it's a great thing. Yes, there are challenges, but ultimately it works really well for us and I would hope that for others it could work just as well. Well, I just I love the attitude. It's it's kind of that whole you know uh, you know is is the universe a happy place uh, mentality, and it, it does it goes along goes a long way. Uh, <laughs> talk about obviously 
you know, your your mom and dad bought it, and and then you did a transition to president. That's a big move. Maybe talk about that. How that how that happened. And it is. And, so when they bought the restaurant, I was eighteen, and um, just had just moved out and was going to college. And so I started busing on the weekends just to help them out. And I, I realized I could make as much money <laughs> working in a restaurant two days a week than I was at my full-time job the rest of the week and trying to go to school. So by June of that year, I ended up uh, leaving my landscape job and going to work at the restaurant with my parents and um, served my way through college, just uh, busked and hosted and served, didn't really want anything to do with management. But um, as the years went on, you know, I just obviously was learning the ropes and it was my family's restaurant. And so I stepped into the management role and then they brought on my husband to, um, we opened this second location in my hometown and then I was managing both locations. And then I took a little bit of time off to have some kids and then came back into managing and was vice president for a while and then shadowing under my mom who was president, but really ready to expand her horizons and work on some other projects and, opportunities that she had. And so I took over the presidency when I was 27, about nine years after coming into the business. So I'm really, I'm really grateful that I had that time to learn the business from the ground up. And a lot of our leadership team and, and the folks who, who have worked with us for a long time can, you know, remember that I still know how to do everything in their job. And there, there comes a lot of respect with that. I think it's really important for them to know that I can clean the bathrooms and I can mop the floor and I can count the drawer, and I can do their orders and all of those things. Um, but, yeah, transitioning into president um, had some challenges. You know, taking over from my mother was certainly not the easiest of transitions. She's very, very smart, um, very businesslike, and likes to move at lightning speed, and she likes things to be really perfect and sound and, and can get upset if there's too much fluff around things or you know, so I think everything uh, culminated over this conversation where she calls me in this rage. I'm about two months into my president training at this point. She calls me in this rage. What's our apron policy? And I'm like, um, and, you know, you get an apron when you start working with us. And then when you leave, you get the apron back. And, well, we need to have a sign in and sign out. And, and long story short, we have like five different people on our leadership team working on this apron challenge. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, this is not a good use of anybody's time. Yes, it's an important issue, but it shouldn't be an urgent issue. And, I, and that's when I kind of told her in not so many words, Mom, you're fired. <laughs> you can't be the president anymore. You need to let me fill in and, and, and step up here and, and uh, have faith and trust. And we did. And, you know, there was there were some tears back and forth between the two of us, but we've always been very respectful. And, and so she managed to, to say, okay, you know, I trust you and, and let's, let's do this. And since then, it's been really harmonious, actually, and really a good move for all of us. But it sort of took that final push to, to get her out of that spot and get me into it. And um, I've been really enjoying the position, and I haven't done everything perfectly, and I still have so much to learn in front of me, but I'm really loving it. Um, and my biggest passion is leadership development. So the fact that I get to be the leader of a company that has managers and leaders under me and my job, my most of my job is to help them develop themselves. I mean, I couldn't be happier. It's so amazing to get to do that and see their lights go off. And we do um, book, we read a book every few weeks, you know, we'll do a chapter a week or whatever. And then on Friday afternoons, I've got all my managers on the phone and we talk about the chapter and what we learned and 
Like, to me, that is just the best. I love doing that, and I love seeing them do that, and they love it, too. So it's, it's really cool that I get to be in the position that I am and do what I'm doing. I'm incredibly grateful. All right. Back to the actionable advice. I, I love the five irrefutable laws of uh, restaurant mm-hmm. success. And, and also, honestly, when I read them, I can see our five pillars. I don't know whether five is a magical number, but why don't you run through those? That, that would be sure, totally. awesome. Yeah. Our five irrefutable laws of restaurant success, which basically we just, through all of this trial and error, learned that there's the five spinning plates need to be um, leadership, operations, financial, products and services, and marketing. So leadership, of course, that's, um, you know, working on on your own skills and who who the people at the top are, what their vision is, the direction of the company, how they lead. You know, it's not, it's not just the messages you give, it's how you deliver them. So that's really in leadership. Um, operations is all your systems. How, how do you do your stuff and do you have everything systematized? Um, that third plate is the financials, which was the last plate for us to get spinning, and I wish we would have started spinning at first because it's just made such a huge difference, and that's where you've got to be, account- you've got to be accountable to something, and it can't just be what you notice or, or what people are reporting back to you, and that's where the numbers come into play. So that's your third spinning plate is financials. Um, the fourth irrefutable law is your products and services. That's what you're actually doing, what, selling tires, selling flowers, selling omelets. Um, that's your products and services and how you're getting those products to your guests or your customers or your clients. And then the fifth plate is marketing. And what I always like to say is that you could be the best leader in the most well-run operation with the cleanest financials and then the best products and services. But if you don't have any clients, guests, customers, then you're not going to make it. And that's where marketing comes in. Marketing is just so important to get folks to your business so that you can fulfill on your promise and deliver what you say you're going to deliver. So those are our five laws in, in quick time. Do you have any specifics about them you want to know? No, I think what I love is, you know, you know, when I was uh, reading the book and obviously uh, learning learning your business a little bit better, it just, uh, you know, I think what's what's overwhelming is the amount of data that you're collecting on 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 the restaurants and on the the customers and in in in, uh, in in profitability and the metrics and so forth. And I just, you know, uh, Jeff and I, are, we mentioned a lot. We get to see three, four, five hundred companies a year, and none of them, almost none. I mean, it's way less than one percent. You know, are putting much effort into the financials, and the ones that are. Uh, you know, are, you know, typically are not are not calling us. Uh, so market, and then mm-hmm. the last thing is marketing, and and I think that you know what you know you know you know people always start. Where do you start with marketing? And 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 I think the thing that resonates to me about about the, the squeeze in is that you know you know your values, you know your your proposition, you know you know what you know what, what the types of people you're trying to attract, and that's what what makes marketing so effective. Is it's once you know mm-hmm. those things, it's the light goes off. It's easier to find the people. It's you know and, and it's and it's and it's worth that investment of time to know who you're marketing to because once you know you're marketing to, it gets a whole lot easier. And that's it's just you know, mm-hmm. and I, I I try to preach that to entrepreneurs, but it's just you know they gotta they gotta feel that. So I it's just you no, know, it's 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 a uh, it's it's fantastic. Jeff, it's fantastic. So uh, <laughs> I, I also think I it's, it's agree wonderful. More. <laughs> I, I also think it's wonderful how and I'm, and I'm gonna let you talk eventually here too. But uh, uh, <laughs> kidding. The uh, you got your your entire culture is sharing. I mean, uh, you know the uh, the website uh, mistyyoung.com. We get on there. There's you know you guys have pretty much shared every every. Everything you can. I mean, you know, it's it's an unbelievable mm-hmm. resource guide, and uh, and so forth. It's uh, it's it's uh, it's wonderful. Um, 
can you share uh, with our audience? Uh, you kind of, and I, I got, I'm overwhelmed. I was reading the book, and I wrote down every book that was suggested in your book. And <laughs> I, then I realized I thought I read more than most people, or and I realized that I got a lot of reading to do. What's the what's your kind of favorite book? What's the one that had the biggest impact on you? Mm, you know, I think for impact sake, I would have to say it was The Go Giver. To me, that is just such a, a small and simple book, but helped me see that you can use and see your business in a way that doesn't have to be corporate, you know, or um, bad business. A lot of us are just, I think, we're inculcated with all of this messages about big business is bad, money is bad, corporations are bad, and it doesn't have to be like that. And so reading The Go-Giver, for me, was just really cool to see that business, you don't have to be worried about people snatching your ideas or sharing too much or being too giving um, so that was a really impactful book for me. But gosh, there's been so, so many that even if you just get one gem out of a book, it's completely worth it. And that's, I think, a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize that part of the learning and growing process is not calling yourself an expert and not only learning within your industry, but beyond is so important and sometimes even more valuable when you can go beyond your own industry. I also love... Um, uh, for core basics, the seven habits of highly effective people. I think that's been a book that's been really impactful for my personal life, which of course then leads into your business, especially in the family business. <laughs> Those are one and the same, Charlotte. <laughs> Come on. Those are one and the same. You know, unfortunately, yeah. we are running out of time here, Charlotte. Oh, Jeff, and- you always you always ruin the party, Jeff. Come on. <laughs> I know. That's my job is to ruin the party. I do it all the time. Uh, but Charlotte, th- there's a ton of actionable advice here, which is what we appreciate. We love the fact that you're out mentoring other entrepreneurs and that you're sharing. Uh, I would encourage everybody to go to uh, www.mistyyoung.com. Uh, also, uh, track, uh, squeeze in at, at squeeze in and also go to at Shyla Morris. Shyla, you've been wonderful to have on the show. We really appreciate it. And as Brendan said on the front of this show, you and your family are the epitome of passion for possibility. So uh, that's, that's one of our core values. Hey, Jeff, I have one last thing. Anybody – we, we the, the first 25 people that replied to this, and how would they contact us, Jeff? It would be uh, – What's the uh, what's the email address you always say? Um, at, uh, the, the second stage evolution at, at evolutioncp.com. So say yeah. at, at the second stage at evolutioncp.com. You contact us. We'll mail you a copy of the book uh, from Rags to Restaurants by Misty Young. Uh, just we'll see if uh, you know it's a great book and it's a passion for possibilities book. Passion for possibilities, Jeff. Passion for possibilities. <laughs> Charlotte, thank you very much for, for being on our show. We really appreciate it, and we'll have to have you back. We'll certainly continue to learn from you as you continue to expand your business, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Thanks for being on the show. Oh, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it, and I hope you have a fantastic evening. I appreciate it, too. Thanks. And everyone else out there, hope you enjoyed today's show, and thanks for tuning in to the second stage. Thank you for tuning in this week to The Second Stage. Please join Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson again next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And have a successful week. 